we are going to restart Mark's Gospel next Sunday morning, all being well. Uh, last Sunday, I delivered the message that the Lord gave me for Christmas morning, or at least I thought it was meant for Christmas morning, uh, but uh, I couldn't do that service, so I did preach on Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We stopped there. And um, somebody said to me, you missed out the Prince of Peace. And I answered them, I didn't miss it out. I didn't have enough time. So this morning, we're just going to look at that last title uh, given to the Messiah. And we must remember that these words are prophetic. Uh, they were written many centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ, which is an amazing fact in and of itself. If you think of a person 600 years before an event being able to prophesy certain things, that proves it is of God. And the context is the little nation of Judah were being besieged by the Assyrian superpower and the prophet is comforting them with this good news that this Messiah, uh, this Christ who's going to come is going to be a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and this morning a prince of peace. Didn't they need to hear that? They were living in times of war. Here is a commander who's going to be a prince of peace. When Jesus was born, it was a time of great tension. The mighty Roman Empire uh, were uh, uh, binding the poor people of Israel. And they had a baby born, Jesus, who was going to be the prince of peace, but not political peace, but spiritual peace. And hasn't 2020 begun with great uncertainty? Uh, maybe things have settled down a bit in the Middle East, but who here isn't fearful for the future with presidents like Donald Trump and with other uh, world leaders? It's a time of anxiety isn't it there is very little peace and so what could be more relevant than jesus christ here being described as the prince of peace and i haven't got time to go through all these different verses but when you look at the bible you have to come to the conclusion that christianity is about peace uh, let me just give you some verses uh, very well-known words, the angels appearing to the shepherds, what did they say? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. I think Tony quoted it, one of the promises of Jesus to his disciples, peace I give, not as the world gives. 
It's my peace. Ephesians chapter 2. He, Jesus, is our peace. So he doesn't just bring peace. He himself is the prince of peace. And uh, when I was preaching many years ago in Hebrews, uh, the doxology at the end of Hebrews, how does that begin? May the God, how is God described? May the God of peace. Peace. This is what Christianity is about. And if you've got your eyes opened this morning to the world, you will say very, very rightly to me, but pastor, if Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, if he promises to bring peace on earth, if he says he can give his peace, not the world's peace, to people, then he hasn't done a good job because there is very little peace The worst wars that this world ever experienced was in the last century. And there could be worse ahead. There's not much peace, is there? So I can sympathize with you this morning if you're thinking this good news about peace sounds very hollow to me. And especially when you think that it's religion and even, dare I say, the Christian religion, in its nominal sense, is behind a lot of the conflicts in the world. How can you say that this gospel is a gospel of peace? Isn't it fake news? That's the big thing today. How can you believe what you read, especially on the internet? There's so much fake news about. Isn't this something that the church has concocted? Peace on earth? Fake news. Hang on, hang on. I'm getting excited here. <laughs> but I'm meant to be defending Jesus Christ. Hang on. Jesus never promised an end to war. Never. Whatever he meant by peace on earth, it did not mean a cessation of fighting. So let's ask ourselves, what is this peace that the Prince of Peace is offering to us this morning? What is this peace? And there are two things I want to say about it. And the first is this. It is peace with God. It is peace with God. What is that? Well, what we've got to do is this. We've got to ask ourselves, why is the world in the states that it's in? Why is there no peace? Uh, in um, Isaiah's day and uh, throughout the Old Testament, there were prophets who kept on preaching peace. But Jeremiah says these were false prophets because they were declaring peace, peace, where there is no peace. And aren't there false prophets around today? I'm not a false prophet. I'm not saying that this is a sugary, sentimentally kind of peace. I'm saying there is no peace in this world as it is. And we've got to ask ourselves why. Um, to bring uh, my children's talk in, 
uh, you heard two pieces of music. You heard one that had a very clean sound. The second piece of music I played the children had a distorted sound. And that's what this world is like. It's distorted. God didn't create this world in a distorted way. When God made the universe, he made it all perfect and good. Everything was harmonious. But something happened after God created the world. It didn't come from God. It came from the devil. And the devil introduced something into humanity, which we call sin. And what sin has done is distort everything. So you've still got everything that God has made, but it's become twisted. And that's why there's no peace. That's why there's no peace. Do you know what the devil, who turned himself into a snake, he promised our first parents, what did he promise? He said to Eve, if you do what God has commanded you not to do, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods. What a promise. Wouldn't you like to be as a god? And that promise has been fulfilled, but not in the way we thought it might have been. Do you know why there's no peace in the world? It's because we all think we are gods. So you've got a nation, a powerful nation. Uh, there's a phrase, isn't there? The pride of nations. That's what causes war. A powerful nation thinks it has the right to conquer a weaker nation. And so you've got conflict. That nation thinks it's godlike. But it's not just between nations. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you this morning. We all think that we're little gods. We think that the world revolves around us. And we can be very religious. We can even call ourselves Christians. But the essence of sin is we are on the throne. Now, if you think about this, uh, can you follow my logic here? If one person thinks that they're a little God, and if another person thinks that they're a little God, <laughs> you're going to have a conflict, aren't you? Because if one person thinks that they must have their own way, and another person thinks that they've got to have their own way as well, you can't have it both. There's going to be tension. And you will find this, not just in the world, but in the churches. There is no peace, says my God, to the wicked. And by wicked, we mean people who think that they are gods. Do you think this morning that the world revolves around you? And this is what one person said. This self-centered desire to command and control. And you can have this in pastors, evangelical pastors. May God keep me from trying to control you. May it be the Holy Spirit that controls us. It can be in church members. When we're talking here about sin and lack of peace it's something that applies to every one of us here this morning if you're a christian or if you're not a christian this is relevant 
this self-centered desire to command and control leads to conflict with other human beings. So hostilities with God leads to hostilities with others. There is no peace on earth because there is no peace with God because God isn't on the throne of our hearts. Self is. And if self is on the throne, it's going to cause conflict with other people. It's horrible, isn't it? And especially when it has spiritual labels. Like God has told me. Therefore, you're not going to have your way. Isn't that horrible? Was it Blaise Pascal who said, the great um, French mathematician? He said, when a person says that they've been led by God to do something, you better watch out. Because it can justify all sorts of things that's why it's the bible that is guiding us if you're led by god and it's not in accordance with his word you're not being led by god you're being led by your ego but i've got the good news haven't i this is the <laughs> this is the bad news don't don't you want to hear the bad news before the good news and the bad news is worse in a way it's not just that we're all little gods but because we have usurped the power of the creator we are at war with him there needs to be a reconciliation between us and god and god is at war with us god is angry with us this is not god losing his temper but god in a righteous anger against sin and this is the good news listen to this I have come to bring peace. That's what Jesus says. I love the way Wesley puts it. Peace on earth. And mercy, I don't like mild, but what else can we say? Peace on earth and mercy mild. Listen, this is the good news. God and sinners reconciled. Hallelujah. Do you, do you want me to tell you how that comes about? Let's put ourselves in Isaiah's shoes. Here is a man who was living, uh, I think about 600 years, at least 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. So he's looking to the future and he's uncertain. God has revealed certain things to him, but he's got a foggy view of what's going to happen. So what has God revealed to him? Well, what we've already looked at, a child is going to be born, a son is going to be given. All right, Isaiah, I'm sure he understands this. He can see this clearly. This Messiah is going to be a boy. It's going to be God's anointed, the Son of God. But then he's looking to the future now, and God is going to reveal something else. I read from that well-known chapter, the 53rd chapter, because there God reveals to his servants that this Messiah is going to be a servant himself. What do we call Isaiah 53? We call it the servant's song. So it's not just a child. It's not just the son of God. It's a servant. Wonder of wonders. God becoming a servant. And then, this is the most amazing thing. He's going to be despised and rejected. Do you know when Jesus was on earth? Uh, he said at one occasion, before Abraham was, I am. 
And the people looked at him with confused looks. And they said to him, how can you say that? You're only 50 years old. Jesus wasn't 50 years old. He was 32 maybe years old. But he looked older. Do you know why he looked so old? Because he was a man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. He had become burdened with living in this veil of tears and it had caused his face to become wrinkled the cares of this world isn't this encouraging the cares of this world would have shown on jesus's face and isaiah saw something even more amazing he saw this servant this messiah let me just read the verses these are astounding words he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities and this is the word the chastisements that means punishments the punishments that brought us peace was upon him isn't that amazing that god should come himself and be born a baby and grow up a perfect human being and all of that to do one thing, to bear the punishments for you and for me as substitutes, to be whipped, to be scourged, to wear the crown of thorns, to be nailed to a cross, and all of that physical pain was nothing in comparison to the spiritual abandonments he felt when he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We started the service with Psalm 23, well, a rendition of it. How many of you here have been comforted by the words? When I visit people who are dying, I often read Psalm 23, and they are comforted by words like, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. My friends, one person walked through the valley of the shadow of death and those words did not apply to him one person hanging on the cross cried out not you are with me but my god my god why isn't psalm 23 working why have you forsaken He couldn't hold on to the promise because God, the Father, the just, had turned his face away and was punishing not his own sin because Jesus hadn't committed any, but your sin and mine on him. I find that amazing, don't you? Isaiah looked dimly to the future. We look back. And it's not dimly, is it? Um, was it last year we celebrated not celebrated but remembered the 100th anniversary of the first world war the end of the first world war or was it the year before I can't remember but during the first Christmas of the first world war something amazing happened uh, on Christmas Eve you had the front line uh, and you had both sides uh, the Germans and the English in their trenches. And something amazing happened on Christmas Eve. 
the English could hear from the German trenches a very familiar tune. And they could hear the words, Stille Nacht. That's the best I can do, I'm afraid. My German isn't very good. Stille Nacht, Silent Nights. They were singing Silent Nights. And do you know what happened? The English got out of their trenches, the Germans got out of their trenches, and they met in the no-man's land in between. And they started exchanging gifts. They started holding burial services for those that had died. And the most famous thing they did was on Christmas Day, they had a football match. Never before had the term beautiful game been more applicable to football. Two warring sides for a brief moment at peace coming together. But as soon as Christmas Day was over, they were back in their trenches and they were back firing shots at each other and men were being killed again. It was no official peace. It was only a temporary truce. But my friends, what Jesus Christ accomplished 2,000 years ago on the cross when he went to the no man's land between heaven and earth, between heaven and hell, it was official. It had been planned from eternity. And it was no temporary truce. Praise be to his name. He took all the punishments that you and I deserved so that we could be at peace with God. Is, oh, isn't this good news? Isn't this worth jumping up and down about? Isn't this worth shouting about? I know we're not to uh, scream as preachers, but what did Isaiah say? Uh, I think it's Isaiah uh, 40. Get thee up into the high mountains. Say to the people of Judah, behold your God. Good news. Um, <laughs> I recently realized that a person with a surname Bliss has written something. What a surname to have if you're a Christian. Bliss. Isn't, isn't that great? Bliss. And you know what Philip Bliss wrote? This is why he had that surname, I think. In my place. You would be blissful if you realized this. In my place, condemned. He stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. What bliss. Hallelujah. That's bliss. What a savior. And then he says, this is amazing. You know, this piece isn't brushing things under the carpet. This piece isn't about minimizing the wrath of God. Uh, there are some people, they say that what Christ did on the cross, if it's taking the punishment of a holy God for your sin and mine, that that's tantamount to cosmic child abuse. No, it's not. God the Father loved his son. He loves you and me that he sent Jesus to die on that cross. And Jesus is the lover of our souls. It's not child abuse. It's love. Divine love. Love all loves excelling. And you know what Bliss said? Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God is he. Full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah. Bliss. What a saviour. He has made peace through the blood of his cross. Oh, the peace of God is my second point. Peace with God. The peace of God. When I, on February the 25th, 30 years ago, in room 222, in Pantacellin, Hall of Residence in Aberystwyth, when I 
recognized that about Jesus Christ hanging on the cross and I accepted him. I can say with all truth the peace of sins forgiven flooded into my heart. Flooded. I long for such experiences again but God often doesn't give us experiences of that degree. The peace of God. Peace through believing. Now, let, let me explain how this comes about, because I want every one of you to know this, to be right with God, and then to know the peace of God in the heart. Now, look at the verse in its totality. How does Isaiah put it? For unto us, I think it's the previous verse, for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given now how do i know this peace there is no peace for me as i am if i die in this condition i'm facing the righteous anger of god so how can i know peace with god and then the peace of god well it's simple he's the prince of peace you are a little god you think you're in control what do you do? White flag. You surrender. That's what becoming a Christian is. It's surrendering. Do you know what to surrender means? It's to start saying, you are my counsellor. Wonderful counsellor. You are my mighty saviour. You are my father, my supporter. You Am I Prince of Peace? Um, the Apostle Paul used to quote the poets of his day. Uh, I got to quote the poets of our day. John Lennon, I quoted him last Sunday. I'll quote him again today. One of his Christmas songs. This is the voice of cynicism. What did Lennon sing? And so this is Christmas. A happy new year. No. Another year over. A new one's just begun. You can hear the acid, can't you? <laughs> uh, if you're not into pop, let me quote some earlier poetry. This is, this is what the world thinks. This is what you were trying to think. Uh, have you heard of the Stoics? The Roman philosophers called the Stoics. If you've seen Gladiator, Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor at the start of Gladiator, the old emperor, he was a Stoic. He's written a book called Meditations, which is a book about Stoicism. What's a Stoic? This is a Stoic. Uh, this is what one Stoic said, Henley. In the fell clutch of circumstance when things are going badly, I have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance. My head is bloody but unbowed. You just grit your teeth and you carry on. Is that what you're trying to do with life? There's no peace there. It matters not how straight the gates, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That's you if you haven't surrendered, if you haven't put up the white flag to Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, do what I did 30 years ago. Bow the knee 
and say to King Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I surrender. I can't save myself. I've tried religion. I've tried just coming to meetings to make me right with you. But my own works can't clear my debt of sin. I thank you for dying on that cross for a sinner like me and for inviting me to come to you. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you for my salvation. And I'm going to bow the knee to you as my king. Have you done that? Are you still doing it? If you haven't, are you going to do it today in 2020? Um, can I quote another Stoic? I, I'm Stoic by temperament. You see, I was a Stoic. I didn't know the word at the time. <laughs> this is what one Roman Stoic said, and he's right. While the emperor may give peace from war, the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, he may give peace from war on land and sea. He is unable to give peace from passion, grief and envy. He cannot give peace of hearts, which we yearn for more than outward peace. You may know outward peace. You may know prosperity. Things may go, be going well for you, but you don't have a peace of hearts. Not until this peace of Jesus Christ comes into your hearts. Oh, I've got to wind down, but I just long for you all to know this peace. Do, do you know what the word for this peace is? It's a Hebrew word. It's a lovely word. Shalom, shalom, because of what Jesus went through on the cross, he didn't stay on the cross, yes he died and was buried, but on the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, and he's in heaven now, and what is he showing in heaven now, he's showing nail-scarred hands, and do you know what his greeting is, if you were to turn to him this morning, do you know what he would say to you? He wouldn't drive you away. He wouldn't say to you, how dare you call on me? You don't deserve my salvation. He would never say that. None of us deserve it. But do you know what he says? Shalom, my peace I give you. Do you know what he says to you? Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Uh, um, when I was in Jerusalem, I stayed in the Leonardo Hotel in East Jerusalem, not far from the Garden Tomb. Uh, up the road from the Leonardo Hotel, there's the American Colony Hotel, a wonderful building, a, a, a 19th century, I think, or maybe earlier building. And at the start of the 20th century, a couple lived in the American Colony Hotel. It wasn't a hotel at the time. It was the American Colony. And they were called Mr. and Mrs. Spafford. Mr. and Mrs. Spafford. Have you heard of Mr. and Mrs. Spafford? Have you heard of Mr. and Mrs. Spafford? Because they knew the peace of God in their hearts. Mr. Spafford wrote about it. Do you know what he wrote? When peace like a river attendeth my way. And it's not when things are going well. It's when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It is well with my soul. Shalom in my soul. Mr. Spafford didn't write those words when he was on holiday. He didn't write those words lying on a Caribbean beach. 
drinking, uh, some, some cool concoction. He didn't write those words uh, in a five-star hotel. He wrote those words in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean in the same spot earlier on where a ship had gone down and all his children had drowned. That's where he wrote those words. The peace of God. The peace of God. Have you seen these tornadoes? Have you, have you seen the, or these hurricanes? It's not peace, is it? But if you're in the eye of the storm, if you're in the center, it's peace. Christian, have you found that to be the case? I haven't been through what Mr. and Mrs. Spafford went through. But all of us who are Christians have been through some storms. And we have contemplated the storm and our hearts have not been at peace. We have looked at the storm afterwards and the hearts may still be a bit, you know, <laughs> a bit palpitate. Pal, pal, I can't say the word, but you know what it is. But when you're in the middle of the storm, it's at peace, isn't it? It's at peace. Peace, perfect peace. The blood of Jesus whispers peace within. Well, I've got to finish there. Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Are you one of his subjects? Or are you still not at peace with God? Surrender to him now. Surrender to him. And if you are, can I ask you, are you showing something of his peace to people around you? Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Do we desire, as Christ, in 2020, to be men and women who stand out as men and women of peace, that as much as lies in us, we will be at peace with everybody that we come into contact with. I don't need to say to you that often in churches you don't find much peace. Praise God for the peace we know here and pray that more and more this will be a haven in a world that's certainly not at peace but a haven for the brokenhearted, for the grieving, for the sinner, for whoever, to find peace. Peace with God, the peace of God, and peace coming from us. For his namesake.